0: In this episode, Ron and I pick up where we left off last time. We continue to discuss life insurance business events and premium finance. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy it.
1: Our last story here. I forget. I think I maybe a client sent this to me, or you brought it up. Uh I don't know how it came about.
0: I think no, no, you found it because I found it the day before. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right. So the title is I this happens to be in the Center Square, some publication. That, I that's, think it's a but reprint. that's an
0: article referencing
1: the original article, isn't it? That or it's a syndicated article, okay. which I think is what's the case is. So the title is Indiana Life Insurance CEO Says Deaths Are Up 40% Among People Ages 18 to sixty. Working
0: class ages.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and a company that. Operates in the IBC world, a name that some people will be familiar with. Is from is uh, should we say the name of the company? Doesn't matter. It's an article. They're just based in Indiana,
0: okay. right? Indianapolis, Indiana.
1: Hundred year old company, yeah. So well, and well known, over a hundred year old company, well known, uh, and they're involved in the group life insurance business, which, as you pointed out to me when we talked about this earlier, is an important distinction. So the the CEO is reporting i put it this way. Davidson said, well, the CEO said the increase in deaths represent, quote, huge, huge numbers, end quote. And that it's not elderly people who are dying, but, quote, primarily working age people, 18 to 64, who are the employees of companies that have group life insurance plans through this company. So up 40%, he says, just to give you an idea of how bad that is, a three sigma or a one in 200 year catastrophe would constitute a 10% increase over pre-pandemic levels. So 40% is just unheard of. I mean, I, and I have to admit, when I first read that number, I'm like, you know, these real, I and mean, that's why I talked to you about it because that, that's a huge number. And you were right to point out that this is, because I had a client who texted me about this. Sure. Worried. And so i I that's kind of the reason why I wanted to address it. But uh, first of all, group life, which, as you reminded me, means virtually no underwriting. Next life. is
0: zero underwriting. Yeah.
1: Which gets to be back to because you mentioned earlier, you're as an owner of one of these policies. It's a mutual company. You're a part owner of the company. You're entitled to a dividend. You know, you want a, a legitimate conservative underwriting process. Sure. You don't want a whole bunch of people who can't afford what they're buying um, are mismatched can't in terms qualify of qualify. Yeah.
0: Health wise. Cause
1: all of that, it's sort of like planning a seed of liability in the future, right? All that is just future deviation from originally, uh, originally predicted or originally estimated financial performance. And that's going to result in a squeeze on this financial surplus, which is going to mean lower dividends. What?
0: Uh, this company impossible. did lower their dividend this year too. And that up 40% increase in deaths happened in the third quarter. And they were seeing it in the fourth quarter of 2021. And now we're in the first quarter and it's continuing. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, and he, and he goes on to say that uh, they expect it to cost them a hundred million dollar company, but they're a multi billion dollar uh, They expect it to cost them a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. They're multi-billion-dollar. I think I don't. I don't know their financials off the top of my head, but you know it's not going to change the way they live. They're still going to be just fine. But the dividend is going to be greatly reduced, and then they're going to have to jack up the premiums, yeah, premiums on the future, you know, worksite group term coverage. Um, and these are not Wuhan flu related, right? So and that and that goes into uh, a couple of things, right? The rating companies, the companies that rate life insurances, life insurance companies, they want to see multiple markets. They want to see companies in the group workforce. They want to see people. Uh, they want to see companies doing business in the in the retirement planning um,
1: diversified. Portfolio they, yeah,
0: they want to see uh, a mail in. You know, mass mail, low face amount life insurance product. They want to see multiple um, lines of revenue. Yeah, in in different industries and in different segments of the insurance world. So, um, thank goodness that that part of their business is the smallest unit of their business. Mm-hmm. The group site, group work site marketing. Um. There there you go. There's something else that you can't control. You know, there's never a problem until there's a problem.
1: Yeah. And I don't know to what degree this kind of experience is replicated across other lines of business or to what degree it's replicated across companies. Um, This particular company, I don't really use much of. So it's kind of, it's one report from the industry and, there are others, yeah, that are
0: surfacing.
1: Well, I what? So this is you know, p- mortality is going up. No one wants to hear that, right? Uh, but then it comes down to, and like the client who had texted me to ask, you know, what's the, what's this mean? Well, given these clarifications, that it was among, uh, this is a, a st- one statistic from one company among their group term business with very low underwriting. That is what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the for a, for a current in force policy owner, there's no change, right? Your the, the the relationship between premium and death benefit within your contract has been fixed. It's a guaranteed dividend paying whole life policy, so that's already been that the the consequences of this will be on future policy purchases, and so for instance, Davis has sent this per the ceo said that the cost will be passed on to employers purchasing group life insurance policies who will have to pay higher premiums and when people see higher premium we should add higher premiums in terms of the death benefit right this will be a death benefit consideration and that's all that is what that is uh but this isn't this doesn't necessarily mean a, a change in any kind of cash value it, mm-hmm. i mean it People who are thinking of doing IBC shouldn't see this and be like, oh, you know, whole life's a bad place to put money. At the end of the day, it's just a matter to the life insurance company of correcting the other side of the cash flow statement, right? If now we're expect if we have greater payouts due to earlier than predicted uh, deaths, well, then we're going to increase the other side of the cash flow statement, which is revenue from
0: the sale of products. And they have capital surplus. They have that money. Yeah. All right. But to... But the uh, ages between 18 and 64, let's think about that. And these are non-Wuhan flu graduations. Okay. On the desert. Wonder what what the self-harm rate is currently and has been under this totalitarian shutdown from anti-capitalist communistic thinkers. I wonder... How many undiagnosed heart attacks, undiagnosed strokes occurred, and people didn't follow up to their healthcare professional? I wonder how many cancer treatments or other therapies were stopped or interrupted due to the shutdown. So, um, all of these unintended were they unintended consequences <laughs> i don't know if they were and i, I really don't but all of these uh, seemingly unintended consequences that are occurring throughout our culture and our society and the country and the world you know maybe we didn't talk about them or think about them two or 3 years ago you know, what about liver enzymes going through the roof? Because now all these Irishmen are staying home. And look, I'm Irish. Okay. Staying home and drinking. Yeah. You know, what about the uh, the psychological damage? And I don't want to get on a rant here. I mean, we're talking about the death rate up 40% in this one particular company. and It's showing up in other companies. And they're the working age class. Wonder what's really going on there. You know, I read an article the other day. The average college student gained 28 pounds. I mean well who who wants to go to the hospital and get put on remdesivir (laughs) I'm just saying so they stay at home and these undiagnosed uh, ailments and diseases untreated is not good
1: yeah untreated might be the key word Yeah. yeah but that is what it is you know the world the world will do as the world does Days go on. Cash value and enforced contracts continues to rise.
0: Yeah, whatever the world's doing, it's okay to do something different. Whatever they're doing, that's a red flag. That's a marker. It's like, okay, yeah. Well, and you notice too, there's
1: this alleged conversation about the the Fed Board of Governors is going to turn more hawkish and they're going to raise it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, sure they are, but yeah. two, who cares? And But it's all over the media because any, uh, sure. any word out of place from the Fed causes markets to move and that affects everyone's mm-hmm. 401ks and tax-qualified plans. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't really care. I mean, at the end of the day, it's unfortunate. You don't want anybody to go through financial stress and so on and so forth. But it's also unsus- what, what's been going on for the last 20 years is unsustainable. So something's going to happen at some point. What? And do you know, I wouldn't be, <laughs> it It wouldn't hurt my feelings if it was like an 80, 1980s kind of deal where interest rates did go really high and I had access like Nelson did in the 80s to all this capital. Between 5 and 8%. I was <laughs> yeah. oh so like, wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit. I know. I don't wish that on anybody. I don't wish financial ruin on people no. but you know it wouldn't hurt my feelings to look at a whole bunch of clients from over the last four and a half years who are in the same position who are in a high interest and who cares what the interest rate environment is this would just be an added benefit you can access the money <laughs> yourself more affordably than somebody else can if the capital is even available right <laughs> in, the, in these liquidity crises when all these banks just who cares the interest rates beside the point they're not going to lend anyway right well, now now you have access to some capital that, if isn't, you've been paying a high premium, if you've been, yeah, that isn't a loan from the bank, right? You would just be cashing a check,
0: right? So it's wait. So it, it kind of speaks to you know it's very common once somebody embraces the idea of becoming your own banker and then takes action and gets past the conversation and writes a premium, therefore immediately starts accumulating capital. You know, it's like, what do I do, James? Now, what do I do? I, I spoke with a client the other day that he called and substantial premium, relatively new. And he's like, James, now what I'm missing something, man. What, how do I make this better? And it's like, he mentioned, you, you can tell what they listen to by the, the terminology and the words that come out of their mouth. And, uh, he's like, that didn't even make sense. And I'm like, of course it doesn't listen to what they're saying. Just step back and think that through. Yeah. Um, the idea is very common that, you know, once I have started, once I paid a premium and I'm accumulating capital, that I have to immediately go collateralize that cash value mm-hmm. to go do something else, which it may be in every situation and everybody's individual position is in, in their activities, endeavors are different. But that is not the case. You know, I've seen and heard people saying, well, you got to have every dollar outstanding in a loan that you have available in loan value. That's hogwash. Yeah. So something like, um, it's its not really, in my opinion, a matter of if. It's a matter of when, you know, because they cannot continue to kick the can down the road. I've been very impressed over the last 10 years. They have kicked the can down the road and printed more money and, and you know, I'm impressed at how far they can kick the can down the road. But at some point in time, there's got to be a correction. And then when assets start swapping hands, it's like, he who has a capital has an immediate opportunity and Absolutely. a great advantage. Yeah. So it's okay to pay a premium.
1: Right. And, and to just do that and to be, you know, you said very early years ago that one, one, of the many benefits of IBC is that it gives you a cost of capital in the form of your policy loan interest rate. And for the, and for a lot of people, it's the first time they've had something like that, where you actually can tell what the cost of capital is. Yeah. And along the same lines of that, it's occurred to me as I've watched cash value and my policies grow. And as I've expanded the system, it's been interesting. I hate that word. I've discovered over the last (laughs) few years, what things really cost, like what the, the expenditure of capital and not just the expenditure of capital or the allocation of capital in absolute value terms, but in percentage terms, right? How much of that cash value do you really want to collateralize at a given point in time? And what's that going to buy? You know, what's it, and what's that going to mean in terms of cash flow, and, I don't know. For me, I've become, I don't know if it's possibly get more conservative, but I mean like- oh, are you hoarding e-
0: cash? Even are hoarding cash value?
1: <laughs> <laughs> even more like, well, and I, of course I know what my product, I have an idea of what my productivity is and the kind of gains that can be made by allocating that capital, allocating that cash value to things that improve my own productivity. And in fact, that, I have a pretty good idea of what that looks like and it's good. And then you go and you look at like, I'm going to barely break even between the rent payment and the mortgage and the taxes and the the side fund and all that. That big old honking
0: truck doesn't even look that good anyway.
1: Yeah. And for, and for not yours,
0: I'm just saying in general,
1: and for a big hit to liquidity, (laughs) you know, it's like, why, why would I, unless it's going to be like, there's a certain scale. That if you got to that level, of course, it requires all sorts of debt to even, you know, build up as, let's say, a real estate portfolio of several doors, you know, to have a meaningful cash flow. It's like, or, (laughs) or I could feed the engine, the business, my own productivity, my own product that resulted in the capital that would allow me to even think about that in the first place. Like, if I just fed that. What a concept. These other things would take care of themselves. Always. And so it's, the, it's part of that capital and, op, you know, capital attracting opportunity.
0: Uh, it's a paradigm shift. Whenever we're beholden to the third party lender or we're, we're putting money under someone else's really control, you know, we're giving our money, our capital to a gatekeeper, you know, qualified plans, wherever. And then to access that capital, I mean, you're paying them for the privilege. And it could do well some years and it could do poorly other years. And it's like, but then we're beholden to the third party lender because our capital is over there. They're they're making a tremendous profit. They're making a tremendous profit. And it's like, oh my gosh, if I just like get the characters in the play straight mm-hmm. and I become my own banker, I'm the bank owner. Your bank pays dividends. They just don't pay them to you because you don't right. own the bank. Okay. And then the the gatekeeper, the loan gopher, right? And then the banker and the and the loan committee, you know, the you're making those decisions. You're controlling the loan. You're requiring the capital. The 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 collateral, you're you're controlling the loan repayment. And and then you're the consumer. I'm like. I cut that guy out (laughs) I cut that guy out and and the difference Nelson said it many times you look at the end of those illustrations that you referred to in Nelson's book Becoming Your Own Banker which he would not put in the book if he rewrote it and and any and uh like the C D sisters in that particular illustration, you get down to the very end of that, the difference between the girl who 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 financed cars at the bank with the C D and the girl who financed cars with the life insurance policy. And I get it, numbers have changed, dividends have come down, interest rates have come down, there have been three CSO tables and the seventy seven oh two has changed, none of which okay. you could control. At the end of the day, the difference in the numbers at the bottom of that page is what went to the banker and mm-hmm. what went to the little girl who who practiced IBC. Mm -hmm. That's all you're doing. You're isolating the profits of the bank. But we're just calling it cash value accumulation and compounded dividends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And wait a minute. Now, kind of speaking back to your, your reference earlier, I have a legitimate method that I had never had, even in the financial world, of valuing my capital. And now I have a legitimate, like as you get older, you get conservative, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. I'm older and conservative. Maybe I
1: hyper conservative.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you could fault me, it's like there's two things that you can fault me for. Number one, I'm too conservative. Number two, I don't use proper English. Okay. I'm okay with both of those. <laughs> um, my point is that it's like, Everything that's walking down the street that says it's a deal is not a deal for you. It may be a deal for someone else, but not for you. And then some of the mentors I've had and read and some I didn't get to meet in the real estate world. They're like between good times, bad times, booms, busts, commercial, multifamily, single family, notes, all of it. You're going to get and enjoy about a 6% rate of return. But then you got to deal with all the, the taxes, the property, the maintenance, the, the tenants and all the contractors. It's like, okay. Well, what can I enjoy over my lifetime accumulating capital in life insurance policies? I look at that compared to that because the investor never puts their time in the equation over here. Talking about cost of capital, nobody ever considers what it costs in their time if you were paid what you're worth to engage in all of those deals. The banker got paid. Everybody's getting paid. And you know, I'm not saying you're not getting paid, but you're not getting paid your true value in a lot of those equations. Mm-hmm. You look at all that compared to accumulating capital over here. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I'm lazy. Maybe I just don't want to do all the work, which I'm not lazy. I can outwork most 40-year-olds if I want to. I'm like, all day long.
1: Yeah. All yeah, day long. All day long.
0: And then the opportunities that arise that just show up, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm at one of the universe.
1: Yeah. Now, I do have real estate clients who can go find out, you know, those big old 40, 50 percent or higher margins in real estate. and They can go do that. And that's all great. You do that in addition to. What? Yeah.
0: It's not an either or. Hmm which is kind of what I was saying it's either that or that it's not true I mean I do both I'm just saying that the amount of effort it takes to build a real estate portfolio if that's your goal and right I mean it's I'm not even disparaging that Mm -hmm. that's what you want to do talking about feeding an engine um, you know you're creating that engine or you're creating this engine or you're doing both in some way I'd rather work more on this than that that's just me yeah. And I like the idea of Nelson. You know, and, and I got to say, I meant to, I've told myself I want to do this more and more, more often. Is that Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Baker, is now available on Audible. It hasn't been until the last several months. Go to Audible, download Becoming Your Own Banker. It's not, my encouragement is to still buy the books, keep the books so you can flip the pages and highlight them, but get the book on Audible becoming your own banker. I think it'll, it'll be good for you, my opinion. Okay.
1: And then one last thing too, we talked about, I had that client who was doing debt repayment earlier and whenever we, whenever that happens, it's always auto debt or credit card debt or nobody ever lumps in the mortgage debt. For some reason, mortgage debt is like this special class of debt that people don't think of as debt. And I can't help but continue to go back to, it's like the worst, at. like it's so costly I mean just a quick amortization table it's like OMG I mean the principle of the of the note is you're going to pay twice once to the principal and once in the form of interest <laughs> over yeah. the you know a 30 15 year
0: period today in low interest rate environments yeah. not every not, there's not every mortgage out across America is not financed at 1.9 or 3.5 or 3.25 <laughs> percent yeah I mean you know yeah.
1: So even, you know, regardless of the, I can't say an APR, this is a number that fell out of the sky. I mean, <laughs> look at what people really think of as interest. It's a huge amount of money. And so the, the, in talking a bit, little bit about like learning what it really means, what things really cost without all the debt, without all the, you know, finance, everything, 1% down, 5% down to really, you know, to take a policy loan, to go buy a house in cash. And you think of how much, okay, I can get in a policy loan as much as I have in cash value. So I've got to have all that cash value. And I look, I don't want to be 99% collateralized. It'd be nice to have some cash value that's not collateral. I mean, that's the whole kind of the whole point is to have uncollateralized capital, uncollateralized cash value. So it's like, dang, how much would I need to cut that particular snake, that particular type of mortgage, l- of, of lender of banker out of the equation, it's like quite a bit. <laughs> you know, that's a and that and then to do it in a meaningful time frame mm-hmm. means a lot of premium,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and maybe it also means uh, confronting Parkinson's law, and maybe every day making a you know a, a more astute choice about the type of property you decide to move into. You know, I have some clients who, and, you know, look, we're all in different times and places and we're at different points in careers and with families. And, you know, some people might need the $900,000 home. Right. And look, I'm just allowing for everybody's individual. I'm like, Oh
0: my gosh. Those are the guys that have $40 million in face amount. (laughs) My initial thought is
1: the amount of premium to get the amount of cash value to buy that in cash to then go and pay off the policy loan it's like who you know does that d- does the income really support that I don't know I'm not <clears throat> here to judge anybody's real estate purchasing preferences I, do what you want but you look at how much premium and I don't think people think of well, that's why I said it this way. People don't think of mortgages as like, as a thing to get rid of, to excise, to <laughs> carve out, you know, Ooh. cause it over the long run really does cost so much. And I don't know. I look at, especially I get some young people my age or younger and, you know, they've got a house and I'm like, dang. And I think about like what it would be for me. I mean, I rent right now and it's not a secret. If I were to go and do a similar thing, I'm thinking about what all that would mean. And it's like, I'm not too small potatoes you know there's do all right and there's significant cash value available and like you know it could be a- afforded not a nine hundred thousand dollar one don't get me wrong but some of the things that i see on people's balance sheets and i just it just the first thought is wow the amount of premium to build the amount of cash value to take the deposit i don't think we really recognize what price inflation has done oh my gosh. in the sen- in the real estate sense because the what it means for someone to afford something has been so diluted and convoluted right it, it's now well you you know what you can afford is what you qualify for to borrow and it's like whoa how did that happen how do we go from what? i can afford something yeah. to the amount of debt i can qualify for those are not where do you the need your payments thing.
0: yeah Don't, yeah let's <laughs> look the interest rates today are abysmal um and you know i'm all look i get it low interest rates you know the the lenders got to get paid the loan seller has to get paid and whatever the interest rates are say 3% on a 30 year fixed And then earlier, you're like, well, you're going to pay once, and then you're going to principal, and then you're going to pay again in interest. So, look at that time period or any other time period. And now we're talking about north of 50% by volume. Yeah. Let's don't jump over the rate versus volume. And then um, in the infinite banking world, you see… Some of these, I call them Franken, I have called them Frankenstein policies, where these god awful structures to try to get an artificial head start on becoming your own banker. And the contortion that you have to do to a policy to make that happen, um, it, it serves no one but the promoter. It yeah. doesn't serve the consumer. It doesn't serve the life insurance company because the the, the persistency rate, how long the policy stays on the books is not going to be good. Mm. Therefore, it, it doesn't help anybody who's an owner of the company. I mean, it's like you, you can't go right doing the wrong thing. <laughs> you know, you just, you can't.
1: Yeah. So, I told you recently about a unique case current client. They had a just unexpected windfall and wanted to transition that into policies. And, they were paying they already are paying a substantial premium proportionate to their cash flows and there just wasn't room in those contracts so we had to get
0: conversation with yeah
1: had to expand the system and i played around you know we i have a from you from nelson from just my own experience a fairly set way of going about how to think about policy design you know Long dated level term, a bona fide PUA, you know, all the company selection, all that stuff that goes into that. But I try to challenge it too. And when sure. you get a when you get an unusual kind of case where there's a, a one time windfall, it's okay. Well, let's go play, all right So I played with a couple different designs, including some of those that we talk about that others give a lot of. Yeah, you got to hear. So
0: we're not impervious to the noise. You got to go back, and just say, "Well, maybe it'll work in, this, in situation. this situation."
1: Yeah, and then and then I do that, yeah. and it's like, no, no. You know, it, it, it's in a sense extracting value from the client. Yes, that they otherwise would have got had they gone with the more.
0: It, but it doesn't be necessarily become apparent to the client until over time. Then it becomes apparent.
1: Oh yeah, see, years down, or if they ever knew, yeah, <laughs> you know. And, and pretty wild, wildly different methods of going about this particular case design, depending upon the company and the contract. I mean, people, this has never been said before on the Internet, that Uh-oh. the terms and conditions of the particular whole life policy of that particular contract can affect the funding It can affect, it can inform how much somebody pays, what the structure of it will be. It certainly can affect the amount of death benefit that is being called for, which could have suitability complications or human life value complications. I mean, there's really a significant degree of variety. Yes. And so I just, given the unusual circumstances of this particular case, decided to do comparisons and uh, spent probably more time than I should have. but. In the end, some comparisons right back and then some
0: adjustments, and there was some legitimate, bona fide learning.
1: Yeah, well, the, some you know companies have these weird riders. They... Uh, and so you've, you know, finally did w- with one particular company and going, that one of their bizarre riders that I thought would be a bizarre. good. It's a bizarre rider. <laughs> and it, it it's, you know, sold as uh, or marketed as a solution for this kind of scenario. And yeah, yeah. we're just doing it as I'm go- talking to the life insurance company rep Vice president person walking through it, he's all getting excited. And I'm like, mm, you know, trying, to, and I just got a new camera, so I know he can see everything and <laughs> <laughs> hide my facial expression. I'm like, mm hmm, that's great. Yeah. Ooh, yep. Yeah. And then, okay. <laughs> and the call, well, we're not going that direction, are we? It just interest, you know. So my point is that we do try to challenge this perspective. It's not like we've arrived or anything. I certainly spent enough hours last week to demonstrate that, but, um, in the end, you come back to things like with the mortgage, like with it. it's to, to take the full IBC perspective that really become your own banker, actually follow Nelson's rules. Don't be afraid to capitalize. What that really means in terms of policy design or what it means for Parkinson's law, what that really means for how you approach the market and the kinds of things that you buy and sell. And then, you know, it, Repay! Your, don't steal the peas. Repay the policy loans. You keep getting going and collateralizing everything right away to go dress up an illustration or dress up a projection, mm-hmm. violating that again. You know, mm. and it, those who have the gold make the rules. You know, to what degree do you want to depend upon the third party banker?
0: No, I do. I, w- I want to depend on the uh, complicated, you know, illustrations and presentations, and then therefore I want to be um, dependent upon the advisor, the guru who created all that, and yeah. Dependency. What was that? Out of Egypt onto Babylon, from slavery to slavery. Yeah, please. Yeah, no, that's what I want to do. <laughs> or, or, or I could think long range. Yeah. You know, Nelson said it takes the average bear twenty years. Well, wow, that's too long for what.
1: Yeah. And by the way, that's what it, t- I mean, to truly finance, that's what I'm talking about with what with housing or with
0: yeah, $900,000 house. That's today. You know what the house is going to be selling for in 10 years or 20 years?
1: Yeah. I don't either. And then, so people will say, you know, inflation, they bring up inflation, collapse of the dollar, collapse of the U S dollar as the world reserve currency. And you know, doesn't that mean I should not do IBC or doesn't it, you know, cash value is dollar denominated. Shouldn't I not do it? No, no. In fact, it's the opposite. It's like, if, you expect prices to rise out there, you should pay, you should capitalize
0: all the more. No question.
1: Because, you know, in five, you know, let's say we hit a cash flow positive year, five years out, annual cash value growth exceeds the annual premium. Well, what's the, how, how big of a, <laughs> how big of a number are we talking? You know, 10 years out when the annual cash value growth is significantly higher than the annual premium. 15 years out. 15, 20, 30, and the further you go, the bigger the gap gets. Well, you know, how many commas do you want in those numbers? All right? How many digits are those numbers? Well, uh, that, All—all that's a function of the premium. <laughs> Nelson's
0: 1959 State Farm policy is unbelievable. Little dividend-paying whole life insurance that he had the dividend pay the premium for yeah. the first 15 years. Nothing fancy. Nothing even. Yeah, yeah. Paying a little old premium. It's like oh my gosh, you know, I've done this for 17, 18 years now. And I have, you know, on purpose and still continue to challenge my thinking, challenge myself. I don't know how many times and Jenna, my beautiful wife, out of her own mouth, you know, is how are we going to pay those premiums? And I make her angry and I don't know. <laughs> now that she's over it now, right? I mean, she doesn't challenge me now. She just says, okay. That um, I means I'm a good salesman. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> I'm just saying that uh, it is okay to pay a premium. And not only is it okay, if you're working with somebody who's competent and maybe does have your best interests in heart, you know, and that word comes up all the time in the financial world, best interest and it even came up in a couple of the articles, you know, the the first article that we talked about, I believe, or the premium financing article, you know, the 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 author said, well, you know, the the uh, agents don't have to have a consumer, or their client's best interest. Mm, yeah. You know, get out of the business. Get, just stop doing whatever it is you're doing, whatever business you're in. Yeah. And the there is, to my knowledge, my understanding, there is no greater hedge against inflation other than a cash flow with a life insurance policy properly structured. Doesn't exist that I'm aware of doesn't exist. Um,
1: can't exist. The value of lendable collateral doesn't ger- doesn't rise guaranteed in any other asset. Can't exist anyway.
0: And I know all you 25 year olds listening that you know, you can't, you'll never make it to 50. You know, it's way too long. We can talk, I can talk about a 50 year timeline yeah, and my point being is, pay a premium. Pay a premium if it's properly structured, and you understand what it is. You should understand. You will understand how to manage it, how to maintain it, how to nurture it, how to take care of it. You know how to be a, you know a, a proper owner to an asset, which you you should with every asset that you own. Understand it
1: maybe and, before you even apply for it.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! It's like. Okay, we can go on and on. How long? We? Let's break this up in three parts, man. Oh, that's good. I that's, can't work that's, every Saturday like this. every
1: bit of 90. It's a Thursday, but someone's <laughs> tired. No, I'm all good. I'm happy.
0: All right, well, thanks. I had fun. Hope you do too.
1: Thanks for listening. Yeah.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.